Welcome to episode 153 of On the Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On the Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now, here's your host, Robbie Samuels. If you've been following my work for even a few weeks, you likely know that my focus is on strategic and inclusive networking, also known as relationship building. 10 years ago, I was first paid to speak. I've been offering pro bono sessions on the art of the schmooze for the previous two years and receiving great reviews. But the first time I was offered payment to fly to DC and present to the board of directors of a national organization, the topic was not networking. It was fundraising. Prior to becoming my own boss, my career was in development, specifically fundraising events. Without hesitation, I agreed to present a session on fundraising, getting past the fear of asking. I've offered that session dozens of times since then. Though my focus continues to be sessions on making the most of conferences and leveraging your extended network. A few months ago, I was asked if I would present a session at Brown University for one of their executive programs. An Ivy League? Yes, I'd love to. The topic? Personal branding. At first, this felt outside of my comfort zone, but then I realized it was another opportunity to stretch as a speaker. I started to think of all the ways this topic dovetails with the content I share with my coaching clients. I believe that any business challenge can be met through relationships, and we've all learned that people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Do people like and trust you? As Dora Clark has said, your personal brand is what other people say about you when you leave the room. It's your professional reputation. I could go in depth about the importance of this, and you can now hire me to do just that. Personal branding is now another topic I offer thanks to saying yes to the opportunity to present at Brown University. Your challenge for this week. Sometimes business growth or career advancement comes disguised as an opportunity that is outside your comfort zone. Before you say no, consider the opportunity carefully. Can you leverage existing knowledge or content? Does it make sense for you to broaden your scope? What would you be doing with your time if you said no to this opportunity? Personal growth comes when you say yes and expand your comfort zone. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, onto this week's show. Today's guest is an emergency crisis and international trauma recovery coach. She has over three decades of experience in trauma-informed care, working with families, institutions, and organizations in the aftermath of crisis situations and traumatic live events. She provides emergency crisis, international trauma recovery, behavioral management, and executive coaching. She's the founder and CEO of Eyes of Power, a certified minority and women-owned company dedicated to creating visions that help others take leaps in their personal and professional lives. Her personal history with trauma inspired her to create culturally competent tools that meet her clients where they are. In addition to being a contributing author to several books, she's writing a book to share her story and make these tools available to more people. Please join me in welcoming Desheen L. Evans. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. Desheen, thanks so much for joining us in your office in New York City. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, I, you know, We were just talking a little backstory about how we connected on LinkedIn. We're not entirely sure. We're going we're gonna to give a shout out of thanks, though, to Michelle Tillis-Letterman, uh, that she is the reason that we're having this conversation. 
Um, but it just shows that, you know, LinkedIn is a platform where people can, you know, overlap circles, connect and, and engage. Um, so I'm thrilled that that led to you being on the show. And as you know, that this is a show about uh, leadership and building strong networks. So let's start with that first point, which is how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Okay, so for me, the way that I would define leadership is, uh, you know, I look at leadership as a banana. And so, you know, banana, you just wouldn't eat a banana, right? You will have to peel back the skin. And so it's the same kind of approach with leadership. There are action steps that you need to take in developing yourself to become a great leader. when I realized that I was that leader, was uh, being able to make decisions, sound decisions, and being able to weed out decisions that I know that did not fit. And it requires a lot of checks and balances, being able to listen and take cues from others. Because what I found was that if I positioned myself as the smartest elephant in the room, I was never going to be able to become that leader and build strong relationships because if I have all the answers, then I don't need a team, right? Mm. And so I honestly do not believe that there's a one-man leader. You always need someone. Absolutely. Um, I have to go back to this analogy with a banana because I have to say, it's not one I've heard before. And you're right, I would not pick up a banana. And, you know, even my three-year-old would not pick up a banana and eat it with the skin on, right? We all know that there are steps you to take. So is it that there's steps you to take to really develop yourself as a leader? And, and were some of those I, I heard in your second part of that answer was, was listening and engaging with others uh, sound like there were two, and then also making strong, as you call them, sound decisions. Are, those are all sort of part of the package. Early, early on, you know, if you go way back, go back to like, you know, grade school, high school, um, you know, post high school, what, what were you like then? Were you the kid who ran for office? Were you always like organizing your friends to the playground? Did you have someone who saw leadership potential in you? Like, you know, were you the kid who sat back and watched everyone? (laughs) You know, what what kind of person were you? Well, I was always an adventurous person. And I've always been that kind of child that I took the leap. So, for example, very early on, I recall uh, my mom purchasing a, a doctor's kit for me. While my siblings would go for a car or a doll, I wanted a doctor set, a set and I actually I- explored with one of my cousins. Mm. And I wanted to see if you can really draw blood and do those kind of things. Like I'm a venturous kind of person. I don't believe, so, if, so for example, if you say to me, you know, Desheen, the sky is blue. I'll say, Robbie, yeah, the sky is blue, but Desheen is going to go and Desheen's going to check on her own. And if the sky looks red to Desheen, then the sky is going to be red. Like, I don't take things on face value. I have to actually get out there and test it out. And if it doesn't work, then I'll try something else until I get that fit. Mm. Does that, was that make you sort of stand out amongst your peers when you were young then? Absolutely. And actually, uh, as I'm older, uh, 
it doesn't bother me as much, but it was always that I'm the smartest one in the family. And uh, I know that because I have one sister and a slew of brothers. And when people ask my mom, how's your daughter? No, the smart one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which which could be alienating when you're the youngest, when you're when you're young, <laughs> but but you concur to appreciate that they they think of you highly, but it's also like you don't want to be uh, standing out quite that much, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, did you ever seek official leadership roles? Did you did you run for office or captain of a team or anything like that? Well, I was the um, advocacy and government relation representative of the entire. Dutchess County. Um, so I did that for a few years. Um, I've always been in leadership roles at my job, although not actually assigned that title. It just kind of grew. I, it grew on to me. It latched on to me because I was always the one at meetings. I just believe in making modifications. Why don't you try? You know, I don't believe in copycatting. I believe that For example, you can look at, let's say, someone else's website. You may find content or something that you like. It's nice. You can use it as a guide, but you don't steal their things. You have to try on your own because at the end of the day, you want to be authentic. Have your own leadership style. Be who you are. And I feel that that is the best approach because you're not reading from a script. You're mm. just being you, so it flows naturally, and that's what it was for me. I love this idea that that even though you didn't have the official title, that the leadership sort of opportunity sort of still flowed your way because of your uh, ability and interest in sort of trying things out, mm-hmm. um, offering modifications, but also a willingness, it sounds like, to follow through on that change, not just offer suggestion, but willingness to sort of take the action because, you know, mm-hmm. you could have just been like sitting back and <laughs> making a bunch of suggestions that probably wouldn't be seen as leadership, though. Right. Um, I know, like, when I was uh, completing my second master's at John Jay, I was on a middle states committee, and that is one of the highest committees that they have. And it was very challenging for me because uh, I felt that there were a lot of, uh, let's say, corporate people, and I was kind of still fresh in the water. And so what I found to be most helpful was because they would go around the room and ask questions. So I would take little notes because you want to fit in, but you want to make sure you say the right things. And sometimes it's okay to just don't say anything. Mm. And so what I did was I took a lot of notes, learned those keywords, the styles. And so when it was my turn, I would simply say, um, totally awesome. You know, I get, and just Add one word, take one word from what was said and you add it into your responses and that's it. So I found that to be very helpful and looking at different styles of letters when people write letters to me, I thank you thus far and things like that. And so all of those things is helpful in you becoming a leader because when you become that leader, it's a big responsibility because people look up to you. You become the role model. You are the footprint that others will follow. Mm-hmm. So you and I actually have a, a little bit of a shared history. Uh, I have a master's in social work. I don't know if you came across that. Um, and I know that's kind of your first degree was there. Uh, and it, it clearly informs your work. I actually was watching an interview you did 
and uh, heard you talking about meeting I said this in, in the introduction, actually, about meeting clients where they are, and that's a very strengths-based perspective, which I know um, I very much picked that up, that uh, sort of philosophy up, I guess you might call it, or um, mode of being in my years of, of schooling. And it seems to really have informed so much of your work. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the work you're doing today, but I'm going to ask it perhaps in a, in a slightly unique way from how you maybe answered before. So I want to know what you find most rewarding about the work you're doing today. What I find most rewarding is being able to help people change their everyday vision. So for example, um, I recently created a training program, The Lens of Trauma, The Responses. And the goal behind that is to get people to begin to view trauma differently. And I dive into meeting the client where the client is. And when I say that, you know, I mean actually getting off your butt from your office in Wall Street, going into the neighborhood where they live, actually walking in the project, stepping in their shoes, doing a little research, understanding the collective identities. You have Black trauma, different cultures. They're very diverse. And you really, really have to understand. And so for me, for example, um, if you have, let's say, a caseload of seven people, three are Hispanic, two are Black, one is Jewish, two is Asian, you need to understand that because let's say you have a home visit. For some clients, you have to take your shoes off. You have some that they don't use eye contact or they don't shake a man's hand. And you have some that they don't use eye contact. And that may be perceived by the worker as different. So I, for example, I had um, someone I was working with and they just had a baby. And in their culture, they're not allowed to leave the home. I believe it was for 30 days. And so now putting myself in the role of, let's say, where she would be able to get benefits for her child, right? Because I didn't do my homework. I didn't bother to take the time to do the research. And so now I'm going to sanction her and I'm going to cut off her benefits so that she can't get things that she needs for her child because I didn't take the time to understand the culture. Mm -hmm. To know that she's just not complying is that this is a part of her culture. Right. So much of what you're doing is about having culturally competent, culturally appropriate um, models to work from. Because, of course, you would have done in that situation the research and known that. Um, I, I remember I taught a, um, a course on um, cross-cultural confrontation styles and we, we did some exercises to help people think about their own culture. And then one of them, after people had the aha moment, I asked them, how, did they, how would they apply this to their work? And someone said, a child came to, came to school without shoes and child services ended up being called. But after the exercise, they now realize that that, that was a family that just arrived here in the States from a culture that didn't have access to shoes all the time. And so the kids all ran around barefoot and it wasn't seen as anything. It wasn't a sign of neglect. It was just a sign of poverty, really. Um, but yet everyone had it. So it wasn't even a sign. It was just like a way of being. And that now that child and that family is part of the system because of that. So like, I can see how 
trauma can have like big T trauma can happen, but then it sounds like there's sort of the everyday experiences that people live through that maybe add on other layers of trauma, which is including not getting culturally appropriate care. Am I, am yes, I right? You, you are. And it taps into the other part with my course is trauma embedded communities. Because as we know, we see on the news, the media, there's something happening every day. There's always something going on in the world. And we as professionals, we have to be able to make those modifications to meet the needs of the people that we service. And it's just not defined to someone that gets like public assistance or on parole or something. This is just people in general. And it's being more kind to people because you live among different cultures and it's important to really understand. And so what I like to do is I do it every day. I find one person every single day and I'll say something to make that person smile. I don't care what else is going on with me. You know, I've had people when I say like, happy Monday, what's so happy about it? And I says, well, you woke up this morning or if it's a guy I may see, I may say something like, uh, well, you got the opportunity to talk to the most beautiful woman in the world. That's a reason for you to wake up and they'll smile. You know, and, and, and that's what I look for in people because I believe that in going back to leadership, I believe that every human being has some form of leadership in them. And for some, it, they may need just someone to draw it out because sometimes when you are that individual, it may not be as easy for you to see your strengths, but you have them, you have the leadership potentials, but with so much that's happening in the world, people, a lot of people tend to take on like things that they may see on TV or someone else's style when you actually have your own style. It's just you need someone to shape it for you. Yeah, I know. There, there's, a, it's, there's a lot there. I mean, we're living in a trauma-filled world, um, and, and I think we're just more attuned to suffering um, we can't, a lot of it's no longer hidden. And I think we're now, uh, swimming in it. And, um, you know, it's interesting, even, even our efforts around advocacy can re-stimulate and re-trigger, be very triggering for people uh, who live through trauma because we're, we're trying to advocate, uh, like thinking about Black Lives Matter, you know, thinking about, um, just all, all the harm that's been, been happening forever, but now is being videotaped and people are paying attention in a different way. And of course, then you got, you know, that shows up in your Facebook feed, you know, or that shows up in your Twitter feed. And it's like, you know, you're living it and now you have to see it over and over again. And I can see how these little things can really impact people. So what's, what's been your approach? Like, how are you helping people um, I mean, it's really interesting that you, you just sort of describe yourself as an emergency crisis and international trauma recovery coach, which I have to say sounds awesome and like powerful and needed. But what is that? What, what are you actually doing uh, in a particular way that's, that's helping clients? The one thing, being very authentic and being able to listen. Because number one rule that a lot of people may not know is the average trauma survivor, they don't want you to talk. They just want you to listen. 
They're not asking for your opinion. Although you may believe that you are the expert and this is what they need, they know what they need and they just need an ear. And when they want you to talk, they will let you know. And the thing for professionals is, is, and what I do is just understanding those keywords because it's very easy for a trauma survivor to become re-traumatized over and over and over. And even as a service provider, you can become traumatized over and over and over. And so it's how do you balance that? Where is the self-care for you? And also not having your personal biases become the blind spots. So there's a lot there that I teach because I go all the way back. And there are some that... um, you're not going to be able to please everyone. But for me, I am a stickler on having real dialogue because we need to get to the heart of the matter and we need to have real conversations. And so for me, I cover Black trauma, the collective identities known also as generational trauma because you have got to understand that. Because for a lot of the young folks that we see today where they are uh, displaying behaviors that it's considered very violent. Um, I worked in foster care. I worked with city agencies for a number of years. And just real quickly, I had um, a young person uh, where they would break windows, very aggressive. And uh, I came in one day and the staff was kind of like surrounding him. And I took him by the arm and I got him to come into my office. And the first thing that I said to him was, I'm proud of you. And he kind of looked at me because he's not used to that. You know, it's always someone telling you what to do, pointing the finger, all the bad things that you do. And so I'm saying to him, I'm proud of you because what I paid attention to with all the things that was going on was the headphones that he had on because as a part of the goals, his safety plan that I put in place as a behavior modification for him is I use something that he liked and that's music. And so for you and I, it may sound like a bunch of garbage cans making noise, but for him, that's deep breathing. And I use the deep breathing because I get people, they say that a lot, and that's not a two, and I'm not saying that it's not effective. What I am saying is that it's not a one-size-fit-all. And a lot of people of color, because we are having a real conversation, we was we didn't grow up learning that too. And so you just can't throw that out there because it's kind of like a Band-Aid or trying to brush us off easily. Oh, just deep breathing. So pretty much it would be fair for me to say a lot of people that have anger management, anger issues would uh, say, okay, before I slap the crap out of this person, let me breathe 10 times and come back. Okay, good luck with that. And let me know how that turns out. And so again, as professionals, and the tool that I use is that You make modifications, and all of that is a part of meeting the client where the client is. You can't take a dated um, uh, plan of action, goal setting. You have to change that. Mm. So it, it sounds so customized and personalized, and I and I can see the need for it. And I and I I wanted to say that one of the things that um, 
struck me when you and I connected on, on LinkedIn and um, you sort of reached out and asked about being on the show. Um, and I, I get that question a lot, right? And, and, and so, you know, a lot, and I ignore almost all of them. I, I, I'm booked through the end of the year. Like I don't need uh, a ton of, a ton of, you know, guest inquiries. Um, but we have 124 connections in common on LinkedIn. And I mention this because they are very diverse. <laughs> uh, they're from all different parts of my world. So did you go to school in Boston? Is this, is this one of the things you did? No. So I, there's a lot of Boston connections, <laughs> um, a lot of BU connections, Boston connections. Um, the, Mandy Carter, who I uh, love Mandy Carter. Um, I hope she's listening. Um, uh, who I know, I know from the LGBTQ uh, movement, uh, a lot of National Speakers Association. I know you said earlier to me off, off air that you're not a member of the National Speakers Association, yet you are connected to a lot of the movers and shakers um, from there. It's a really interesting mix, like podcast hosts. Uh, so you are very connected uh, in, in lots of ways. I mean, there are people I meet who are deeply connected in one area of their life right? They, they might know all the psychologists in their, you know, field, or they might know everyone in their neighborhood, like either, you know, they, they go deep, but in one way. And clearly you have expanded well beyond the neighborhood you grew up in, you know, <laughs> like probably in a way that no one else in your neighborhood has done. <laughs> so I, I want to hear a little bit from you sort of how you think about that. How do you approach that? Um, and what opportunities has it led to? So let's, let's start with the how is it that you and I, who have almost no reason to know each other, have 124 connections in common? Um, and, and, and what are you thinking about as you develop these, these you know, people in your life? Like, how are you reaching out? How, you know, what's, what's it all mean to you? Well, for me, um, as a business owner, it's very important to network. But it's, I find it, Although it's important to network, it's more important to build solid relationships because you need people along the way. And so I network with a lot of people, but what I do is handpick those that I really want to stay connected to because it's a win-win for us both. I can help you and you can help me. And here's how. And so I know that for me, if uh, I'm looking to build my brand, right, Uh, I want to get out there, people have to know you. And when we say people know, like, trust, people have to get to know you. And so for people that are already well-established, how do I get into their world? Well, if you keep knocking, eventually someone's going to let you in. And so once those doors open, other doors begin to open. And so for me, I am the kind of person that I go after what I want. They only can say yes or no, right? So are you you hearing about people through podcasts, books? Um, Like where are you getting ideas? I mean, I think you said you might have heard about me from, from a podcast or from an interview. Yes. So, so is that, are you like, oh, that was a great guest. I'm going to reach out and connect with them like is that worse and then one thing leads to another that kind of thing yes that's that's part of it what i'll do is um i look at a person's profile or if i meet you at an event and i look at a person's profile and i feel you out and i know that okay this person they're really on a move and they're making moves so i'll use 
Michelle Letterman, for an example. Uh, she's a very established woman. I really admire her. She's an awesome leader. And I also know that she's a woman-owned business certified. And she has won a slew of city contracts. Here I am, was three years at the time into my company, and I identified, I'm an MWBE also, it's an acronym for Minority Women Business Enterprise. And so I identified a contract that was worth $6 million. And I says, wow, I would love to go after that. And I put together a team of four to embark on a journey with me to win, and we did. And so I know that Michelle had this contract twice already. And so what is the best way for you to learn? You learn through an established leader. And I would follow her, all of her blogs and very inspirational. And I says, wow, I would love for her to be my mentor. And so I just got up one morning. As a matter of fact, I didn't even get up. I laid in my bed and I sent her a text. And I says, um, I want to interview you. Here's why. I want you to tell me what does it take to become a successful leader? Not a great leader, a successful leader. Will you please just give me 10, 15 minutes of your time? And in doing that, I was very honest with her that I identified this opportunity because likelihood she probably is one of people that won also, right? So I know that this is going to be one of my competitors. I'm not looking to challenge her. What I want to do is join forces with you because I want to learn from you. And here's my story. And I shared so that there's no hidden agendas. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to you straight. This is who I am. This is what I want. And she welcomed me with open arms. And so I would pay attention and I listened I want to say on average, about 11 times I've listened to the interview that you had with her. And I pay close attention to it, close attention. I can kind of say it back to you, the whole interview. That's how much I've listened to it because I paid attention to her style of speaking, how she responded back to you, different things like that. And, you know, the mindset of leadership and things like that. I says, aha, you know, and I follow her a lot. And so I asked her one day, I says, listen, I want to be this guy, Robbie. He's awesome. This guy, he, he interviews like millionaires. He's phenomenal. And I know it's no way that I'm going to get on this show. And so you ask. That's right. That's right. You know, and Michelle Tillis Letterman has the distinction of being um, the only person I've had on this show twice. Um, her uh, most recently, she was, uh, let's see, it aired, uh, actually it's coming out, um, it's coming out in like a couple of months, in like a month actually. Uh, so uh, when this when this airs, it'll, it'll have already come out. So she'll have been on the show twice. People can go to onthechmoose.com and type her name in and see them. The reason she came on a second time is that she has written a book called The Connector's Advantage, which uh, she was kind enough to include me in. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful resource because she drew you know, in from all these different people that are just so talented around building their networks. 
and got them to share their you know best kept secrets about how they do it. And it sounds like you're a student of all of this and have been really absorbing and learning and seeking. And and so the short story is that you won that contract that that must have propelled your company forwards like stratus I mean into the stratosphere like you can't even that that must have been a huge big shift for you. Mhm. And also uh I'm also a part, I was a part of uh, Michelle's book launch. Fantastic. Yeah. So the, that's a great example. So, so I want to actually name a couple of things that I heard you saying in regards to how you reached out to Michelle. Cause I think it's a great example that you had, first of all, you identified somebody in your space that you looked up to that you knew had done something successfully that you were seeking to do um, that had demonstrated uh, in, in how they are in the world that they might be receptive to talking to you. Um, and she's absolutely a giver, so that that was clearly it's it's all it's it's clear in everything she does that she's a giver. Um, you shared some vulnerability when you reached out to her, um, so you shared a little bit of your story. You, you made it clear uh, that you were coming from a place of of wanting to learn, um, and you said, "Can I just have ten or fifteen minutes of your time?" So you you tried to cap what the request was for, so that you weren't like. Let's meet for coffee. I have to tell you, the let's meet for coffee line is overdone because it takes so much longer to meet someone for coffee than it would be to hop on a, you know, a Zoom call for 15 minutes. Um, so, and you were clear what you wanted to ask her about once you got on that call. So th- those, are all, those are all the things I see as being really helpful. And you were, you were looking for ways to give back to her. So the fact that you just told me you were on her book launch team tells me that you saw that that was something that was really important to her and you know that if you were an avid member, a supportive member, an active member of that team, you'd be paying forward to her some of the, some of the gifts that she'd been giving to you. So am, am, I, am I capturing kind of what went on? I'm, so, I'm trying to spell it out. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so cool. And I, I think this is something you can replicate. Have you done this with other people? Was this the first time you, I mean, it sounds like it's a little nerve wracking when you first reach out. You don't know. I mean, I know the only thing that they could say is no, but like, it's still, no one likes to hear no. (laughs) Well, I know, um, things have a way of working. I'm just going to say that lately I have been getting bombarded with requests and I recently, um, I don't want to talk too soon, but I recently went after, uh, a bid and it's a small micro purchase, but I believe that I got it. And so I know that I am really spreading my wings now. And so it's just, again, knocking on the door. I did that, uh, what was it, a week and a half ago with the Brooklyn Borough President. I've been trying to connect with them. And I just, listen, I need to speak with the Borough President. And I continue to call. And so finally, one day I was sitting at the computer and I saw his name come up on my phone. And he called me. And so this is, yeah. And I mean, again, it's going after what you want. If you don't ask, you won't know. And you have to, because it's like a pitch. You have to just get to the point because people, they're busy. They also have short attention span. What is it that you want? So it's kind of like when we are marketing, people, they it's nice. You can have 50 degrees. If I invest in you, how do I get my return on investment? How soon does, does that happen? It's not about you. They want to know, what are you going to do for them? 
So that's the focus of my conversation, how I can help you. Yes, it's always about adding value to the person as opposed to how can you help me in this conversation, which I think often, uh, you know, people go in, the mistake people make is they go into these moments reaching out with a very much like what I need as opposed to what can you offer? And you're very clearly trying to do both. Uh, clearly, you're trying to learn something, grow, build your business, um, but, you're, but you're ambitious and you're making things happen. What's been sort of the, the challenge as you've been, I mean, I feel like you've gotten such like momentum in the last few years. It sounds like a lot's happened in three years. Um, what's, what's challenging as you're scaling and growing in this way? So the most challenging for me has been um, learning how to choose your teammates. And I don't like to use the word mistake. I believe everything is done on purpose. You may have some learning curves, but what has been very initially challenging, but in the end, very rewarding for me is being able to take all of those challenges and put them in a toolbox. And so now you can, you know, separate the toolbox and knows the do's and the don'ts. And in the end, you're able to add that to your coaching service. So someone else doesn't take that wrong turn, or you know that you should not take that wrong turn again, or what is it that you can do different, differently? And so this has been a great learning experience for me. And I actually don't um, see it as a bad thing. I actually appreciate the challenge because it was the challenge that kept giving me that drive to seek out other opportunities for myself. And so I believe that challenges is what pushes us forward. So if you don't have that challenge, if you just, it's like being comfortable so if you're comfortable, you don't want to do anything else because you're comfortable where you're at. But if you have a challenge, you know that you must do something. And so for me in business, I like to say either I'm going to sink or I'm going to swim. And I choose to swim. Mm. I, so a lot of what you're talking about here is mindset. I mean, it, it's the idea that you can see something uh, that had been a real challenge uh, a real thorn in, uh, and then think, wait, you know what? That, that's something now as a tool in my toolbox that I can use to teach others and help them um, surmount the challenges they face or avoid them altogether. And if I'm faced with this again, I'll know a different way as possible. Um, that's a mindset thing. And I think that's something you have to really develop over time. That's hard to do. I think a lot of people, particularly when they're starting their own business, um, have a lot of setbacks, right? And that, it's hard to know how to move forward. You're so clear about moving forward. Like you said, you're going to swim. Um, and one of the things you made me think of, and I don't remember whose line this is, but if, you know, if, if we read a story and the protagonist has no challenge, they, they face no hardship, there's no story. <laughs> you know, That's it's true. like, a, it's, it's, it's boring. <laughs> it's like they went to the grocery store. They picked up the dry cleaning. It's like, what am I reading here? Like, this is, there is nothing going on. Um, so in some ways, this is, you are, you're in your own story and you're like, I'm going to take this for what it is and I'm going to learn from it. And that you're exuding this uh, to other people. It's not surprising to me having now had some time to talk to you that you're attracting amazing people to you um, as you're, you're building uh, your network. So 
speaking of networks though, how do you nurture as you're growing? So clearly you're making an effort to grow your network. How do you stay in touch with not that inner circle, you know, not those people who always have your back, but that second and sort of third layer out, the people that maybe you see annually at a conference or you worked with along, you know, five years ago, or just like a colleague or, or uh, an influencer that you admire. How do you, how do you nurture that relationship? The first thing that I do is uh, I follow up. And so if I bumped into Robbie at an event last night, I'm not going to let the week go without saying, hey, Robbie, you know, it was great seeing you. We need to get together. And then I may wait for a week or so. Hey, how you doing? You know, I was just thinking about the conference. And because I know that you're so successful, I'm going to follow something that you're doing. So another event that you're hosting, I'm going to support you. And I'm going to attend. I don't care how much it costs. Or I'm going to find a way to get in if I don't have the money. Because I need to keep that connection. And if I keep bumping into you, it's something there. The chemistry is there. And eventually, you're going to open the door. You're going to see potential in me. Because we say that this is a big world. But in business, it's not really that big. Because there are lots of folks that are connected. I had um, the proposal that I just went after. They were asking for a Pacific training. And I know some of it, but I'm not certified. That's what needs to happen. And it needs to happen quick. So I began educating myself. And I actually, it's so funny because I actually looked at the address to see where the trainer was, had no idea that that was actually their home office. I actually went down there, got past the doorman and knocked on their door. And they were looking at me like, I says, listen, you know, I'm, I'm no robber or anything. This is who I am. This is my website. He's, the person says, well, I'm on a, a conference call. I'll wait. And I actually stood in the hallway and I wouldn't leave. So they came back to the door and they let me in. And I started talking and I showed them what it was I was going after, what it was that I needed. Here's my company. You can look it up. And long story short, they welcomed me with open arms. And I, I, I kid you not, I had no idea. They said to me, I just recently, I did a training and they trained. Michelle also, but I, I actually honestly had no idea. I was just focused on, I wanted to go after this uh, 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 bid and this is what I needed. And I need someone to train me because I have to do online profile assessments. That's what I need. And so wow. they wrote me back and I have a connection with them now. And they were like, wow, you know, I definitely want to help you because I've never had no one to do that. Yeah. I can't believe uh, that you did that. I mean, most people are nervous about making a phone call these days <laughs> in this world of everyone conversing through a screen. Um, you were like, okay, what's the address? I'm going to show up there. Oh, it turns out this, it's their actual building where they live. That's okay. I'm going to knock on their door. Um, talk your way past the, the door person and all of that. I had two days to respond. I had to because he has something I want. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and if you hadn't done that, the opportunity would have been gone for another year. So, right. So act action. It, you're, you're definitely a woman of action. That is a big piece of this, just like you've always been. It sounds like, right. You see opportunities, you take them and then you run the risk. People say no. Right. And, but in, and you probably have figured out that you don't die from that. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, we're so afraid of that yet you are perhaps more than most aware of all the trauma that people do live through and realize that maybe in the scale of things, getting a no is not actually that traumatic. You know, like there are actual bad things that happen. This is just a detour that you have to go on. So, wow. And you have a lot, that, that's things that you can now share with everyone else as well. Hopefully people who are listening are not going to let anything slow them down from their dreams. So I, I want to ask you, this is one of my favorite questions as we kind of wrap up here, Dasheen. So how do you, um, let, let's say we're connecting a year from now and, and you're in New York and I, I like to come down. I have family in New York where I gr- originally grew up. So I like to come down and host things. So hopefully we'll connect in person. So let's say we're connecting a year from now and I am asking you um, about everything that happened in the past year. And I, we, are, we are toasting and celebrating all of your successes. What are we going to be celebrating? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? What I'm most looking forward to in the year and in the year ahead is to having a very small in-house, diverse team downtown in the heart of Manhattan, and we are very well established. Mm-hmm. And being in my new house with my mom, I'm planning to buy my house with my mom because I need to get away from the toxicity so that I can really focus and hone in on what I need to be doing. Because I know that people need my services and I know that I'm great at what I do because I'm a people person. I'm able to create that vision for people because I've done it for myself and I know that it works. Because a lot of people, you have the idea, like me. I always had the idea. And although I have a lot of certifications, you can't be all over the place. You have to pick your top two, top one or top two, and just stay right there. Pick a Don't lane. Don't try to, <laughs> right. You, yeah. you can't, because you're going to have an accident if you try to keep going in different lanes and you are correct. You have to just stay right there. You don't even need to do the speed limit. Try to go a little bit below what the actual speed limit is. Just take your time. Yeah, well, I, I'm excited to, to hear this update a year from now and for you to have this amazing, diverse team in the heart of Manhattan, uh, able to do all this good work. Uh, Dasheen, where can people find you and follow your work? Okay, that can be found at my site, which is www.eyesofpower.com and also LinkedIn, Eyes of Power, um, Facebook, Eyes of Power, not too much with the Instagram. I'm looking to pick that up again. And I'm also looking to launch my uh, new book and my podcast. So that's coming, the Dialogue Lounge, because I want people to begin to have real conversations. Wow. We're going to put all these links in the show notes and people can tune in to what you're doing and stay abreast of all these new updates of this book and podcasts or other things that we'll be able to celebrate a year from now. Dasheen, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dasheen. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? 
something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 153. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all 150 archived episodes on this Pinterest-inspired page. Reach out and let me know which were your favorites. Have you been thinking about working with me, but you're not ready to commit to a six-month program? Send me an email to ask me about The More Fundamentals, a three-month program that gets you the information you need to take your business to the next level through relationship-based business strategies and gives you access to the community that will support you. My email is Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. I'm also accepting a couple more one-on-one coaching clients. If that sounds intriguing, you should definitely reach out. If you enjoyed this episode with Dasheen, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance, and I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on the way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.